Drew was sick. But we all have tough weeks. I'm not complaining, but I just want to show you how life comes at you. Seven-hour drive home from vacation. A refreshing Sunday with Pastor Jordan. He was carrying the mail last Sunday, man. He was delivering God's message. If you was home and ready to hear it, he had the message from God Sunday, and it was awesome. I was refreshing. Thank God for that refreshing because he knows what lies ahead. While I was on that vacation, I found out one of my friends had passed away. So Sunday afternoon, I attend a funeral. Sunday night again, a blessing. Monday morning, come in here and prayed, felt blessings, felt God moving in my spirit. Sat down and had a meeting, and while I was in that meeting, I started getting sick. Started not feeling well. It wasn't the person I was with, it was my body. I was getting sick, okay? Monday night, we're in a night of worship in southern Arkansas. Sick in bed all week. Sick in bed, I come home, got in bed, sick in bed all week. Got up Wednesday, I said, I got to go to church. I'll come to church, I preached. I walked off this platform straight to my truck and went home. Dallas met me today. He goes, boy, you look a lot better than you did Wednesday. I said, thank God. Thank God. Two funerals, 14 hours of driving in a car with three wild zoo boys we call our sons with the lion tamer. Not sleeping well, coughing, sick to my stomach, headaches. But guess what? I'm here today. What the devil tries to stop, he can't stop. I'm here today. How many is here today despite what the devil tried to do to you this week? Praise God. We can overcome him. Hallelujah. This is not all my sermon. I'm going to keep going. Some people say that they're survivors. I say we're fighters. I went to the funeral of Shelly's aunt this week. Shelly's dad has three sisters. These three sisters and Danny, my father-in-law, their mother and father passed away. They were orphans. None of the family took them in. They lived under a bridge. They did whatever they could to survive. And all four of these people are successful people. I was sitting in that funeral and I thought to myself, these kids are fighters. They had a choice to make when life dealt them a lemon, they make lemonade. They could have just rolled over. They could have just said, you know what? This is the lot we've been given to in life, and you know what? Nobody will judge me or be upset with me for not having a successful life. I'm going to get into drugs, alcohol. I'm going to do all these different things. These four individuals are living for God. They're fighters. They didn't stay down. They got up and began to fight. And I thought of that today. We sometimes think we're survivors. I say we're fighters. And when you know me just a little bit, you know when I was a kid, I loved to box. I love to box. I love to put on the gloves and punch people in the mouth and watch their nose bleed. Pastor, you can't hit somebody that hard. Oh, yeah, you can. Hit them that hard. Their mouth will bleed. Their nose will bleed. Their eye will black. And you'll feel, whew, that's pretty fun until you get hit. I want to know, I want to let you know, you knew, though, when you was up against a fighter. Even though I loved to box, I knew when I was up against a fighter. When the guy that I was fighting didn't care about his body, I knew I was in for a fight. I cared about my body. But Scotty, I didn't want to lose any teeth. I didn't want to have the bloody nose. I didn't want to have the bloody mouth. And so when I seen a guy didn't care about his body, I was like, uh-oh. Here's a fighter. Here's a fighter. But what they didn't know is, yeah, I, I wanted to keep everything intact. 
I still had the fighter mentality. I still had the fighter spirit. I wasn't going to stop until I had victory over them. And I loved doing it. loved hitting people. I want to tell you right now, I still love doing that to the devil right now. He thinks he has you down. He thinks he has you stopped. But we're fighters, and he can't keep us down. He can't keep us and stop us from doing what God's called us to do because we're fighters in the spirit. Amen? The fighter doesn't let a blow to his face stop him. He doesn't let the enemy have the satisfaction of knowing how tired he is or how desperate he is or how beat up he is. The fighter is going to fight no matter what the opponent throws at him. From body blows to being smacked in the face, my enemy can't stop me, cannot get me to quit, cannot discourage me to throw into the towel. And then the scripture began to hit me this morning, Philippians 14, uh, 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Everyone here can say today, I'm a fighter and I'm here. I went through a tough week, but I'm here today. I'm worshiping today. I'm here in the presence of God because I'm a fighter for Jesus. Amen? I said all of this to say this. Don't judge me today. In my collarless shirt, my neck tieless neck, my blue jeans, my hair, my runny nose, my awful cough. I just want to tell you, I'm here. I'm here in spite of all them things. I'm just going to tell you, I got up this morning, I thought, if I could get away with it, I wore a t-shirt, shorts, and tennis shoes. I didn't feel like dressing up. These jeans haven't been washed in two days. And I've been wearing them two days. The shirt is clean. Everything else is clean too. It's all clean. I want you to look at your neighbor right now and tell him, say, don't look at my bed head. Tell him, look at him, tell him. Don't look at my bed head. Don't look at my three days worn blue jeans. Don't focus on me. I'm here to magnify God. I'm here to celebrate the King of Kings. I'm here to pour out my best praise on my King. Hallelujah. 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 Well, I want to preach today. Shelly, come here. In your best effort, in your most exciting voice, I want you to read my text for me. Joshua 9 and 1. And it came to pass when all the kings who were on this side of the Jordan in the hills and in the lowland and in all the coast of the great sea toward Lebanon, the Hittite, the Amorite, and the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite heard about it. Verse 2. That they gathered together to fight with Joshua and Israel with one accord. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they worked craftily and went and pretended to be ambassadors. And they took old sacks on their donkeys, old wineskins torn and mended, old and patched sandals on their feet, and old garments on themselves. And all the bread of their provisions was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua, to the camp of Gilgal, and said to him and to the men of Israel, We have come from a far country. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. Then the men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you dwell among us, so how can we make a covenant with you? 
But they said to Joshua, We are your servants. And Joshua told to them, Who are you and where do you come from? So they said to him, From a very far country your servants have come, because of the name of the Lord your God. For we have heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt. Verse 10, And all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Zion king of Heshbon and Og king of Bashan, who was Ashtaroth. Therefore our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us, saying, Take provisions with you for the journey, and go to meet them, and say to them, We are your servants. Now therefore make a covenant with us. This bread of ours we took hot for our provision from our houses on the day we departed to come to you. But look now, it is dry and moldy. And these wineskins, which were filled, were new. And see, they are torn. And these garments and our sandals have become old because of the very long journey. Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. So Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the rulers of the congregation swore to them. Hallelujah. I want to preach to you today with the thought for just a few moments. Recognize the disguise. Recognize the disguise. You just heard the story. These men fooled Joshua and his men because they disguised themselves. I want you to know the enemy uses the same tactics today. Recognize his disguises today. Father, I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for your power today. I thank you for your word because it is already anointed. I ask you, Lord, to open our eyes and ears that we may see and hear what you'd have to say to us today. I ask you, Lord, to plant a seed down deep inside of us, Lord, that will flourish in our fertile grounds, Father, that it will grow up inside of us, Lord, that will be your witnesses, Lord, in everything we do. Lord, you're giving us a warning today, Lord. We're heeding. We have an ear. We're going to listen to your word. I ask you, Lord, to bless us indeed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. This word today is a timely word. It's an, it's an on-time word. It's a word for this house today. You look around, you see people that's not here today. I want you to tell them, go back and watch Pastor's sermon. He preached a sermon right at you today. Matter of fact, time to go back and look at Wednesday night sermon. Said he preached a sermon right at you Wednesday night. The word of God is God breathed words. How many knows that? They have been preserved to instruct us, to lead us, to guide us in our journey through this world. I need guidance as a pastor. I need guidance as a human. I need guidance as a father, as a husband. We all need guidance of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? He can lead us and guide us through His Spirit. But His Word is where He speaks to your heart. Today we're hearing from His Word. I want to share with you some truths and some parallels that I believe that will open our eyes to see the examples God left for us to learn. In our text today, there are many truths to examine. And I want to give you just a little bit of a backdrop here. Excuse my cough. Moses has died. God put Joshua in charge to lead the nation of Israel. Joshua is listening to the voice of the Lord and following God's instructions and giving Israel the words that God has given him. I I, I wrote this down. I thought, God, that's me right now. 
You placed me in this church. It wasn't something that I did. You placed me in this church. You made me the voice, Lord, to to hear from you and to give the word to the people today. (laughs) And guess what he said back to me? Absolutely. The Israelites, they've crossed over the Jordan River through the miraculous hand of God by drying up the Jordan so they could pass over into the promised land. God was giving them the promised land, but it was inhabited. I want you to know right now, there's things that God wants you to have that the devil has in his hand right now. That you're going to have to fight him. You're going to have to be a fighter to get him to turn loose to take the promises of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They were to go and to take it from their enemy, this promised land. How many know when God gives you a promise, there's going to be a fight? How many know that in order to take Greenbrier and our surrounding area for Christ, there's going to be a fight? We will have to drive back the enemy and destroy the enemy that has been assigned to our region. I want you to know the devil is crafty, he's smart, and he's strategic. He has crafted a plan over this region to block the promises of God, and it takes the saints of God to to walk right through it, to pray right through it, to, to deliver God's message right through what the enemy has got against us. The enemy's not going to give up easily. They're not. In baseball, I coached these boys up. The other team is our enemy for an hour and a half. And I always tell them, I said, let's take a chokehold on them. Let them know they don't stand a chance. Because if we toil around with them a little bit, we're going to have to fight the whole game. Let's smash them in the first inning. Let's score the seven. They only let you score six runs an inning, I think. I said, let's get our six runs, put a chokehold on them. Put the fear of God in them. Put the fear of the Cardinals in them. Right? Well, to take back what the devil stole, to take what God's already given us, to take the promises that God has given us of Greenbrier and the surrounding area, there's going to be a fight. The enemy's not going to give up easily. I've heard it said that anything worth having is worth fighting for. I'll say this, any promise God gives us is worth, worth fighting the enemy for. Amen. The devil does everything in his power to stop, to cancel, to get us to abort the promises of God. The devil is a robber. He's a liar, a real thug, and tries to steal, kill, and destroy everything that God promises to us. But John 10, 10, I I preach it almost every sermon. God's come, Jesus come, to give us abundant life. So it doesn't matter he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm aware that what he's doing, but I'm also aware that Jesus has given me abundant life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The devil does everything in his power to stop us. But the Israelites, they crossed the Jordan River, and the first city they came to, to be conquered was Jericho. Jericho, a walled city. It was a fortified city with these great walls around it. But guess what? They obeyed the battle plan. They obeyed God's plan. They marched around Jericho, and eventually the walls came down just like God said they would, and they attacked the city. They conquered the city. The next city was Ai. They had disobedience in the camp. When they took Jericho, they wasn't supposed to take the spoils. And some of them did. They put it in their tent. They hid it in the ground. And because of this, their next battle against Ai, which they should have conquered easily, Israel was defeated. Sin in the camp. Disobedience in the camp. 
and they couldn't defeat Ai the first time. Guess what? But after praying and God revealing the solution to Joshua, they went back to Ai and conquered that city too. And here we are back to our text. I want to pay close attention to verse 3. The Bible said that they heard. Is that what the, that, yeah, it says that up there too. Must be the same Bible. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard, when they heard what Joshua had done at Jericho and Ai, he utterly destroyed a walled city. He totally destroyed Ai. Verse 9 says that they heard all the way back to what God done to the Egyptians with the plagues and the victory that is the Red Sea crossing. And how he opened the Red Sea and they crossed on dry ground. And then he drowned the enemy at that same Red Sea. They heard the fame of the Lord. I want you to notice that the enemy of Israel at Gibeon heard. They had ears and they heard. They heard what the... Uh, what God had done to the city of Jericho and, and, and Joshua and his men. And they heard how they conquered Ai. When the enemy heard that God was with Israel, when the enemy heard how Joshua and the children of Israel were destroying their enemy, taking what was theirs and obeying God, they were afraid. I want you to know the enemy is afraid of TFT today. The enemy is afraid of you if you're walking in the promises of God. I want you to know that the devil is very aware of what you're doing for God right now. He's very aware about what TFT is doing uh, for the kingdom of God today. I want you to know that the enemy heard that you got saved. The enemy heard that you were delivered from sin. The enemy heard that you were set free from being a captive and the bondage that the devil had on you. And he's afraid because he's heard you've been set free. He's heard that you've been set free from drugs and alcohol and pornography. He's heard that you've been set free from every sin that's trapped you in the past, every trick that's worked on you before. You've been freed by the power of the Holy Ghost, and he's heard about it. He's very aware of what's going on. I heard somebody say one time, I don't want to say too much about what God's blessing me with, or, or I don't want to come against the enemy too hard because I don't want him to recognize me and come after me. I'm going to tell you right now, you walked into a church house, the devil already recognized as his enemy. And so you walked in here, now you're the devil's enemy. And I, I declare war on him, I decree victory in Jesus' name, and you don't need to be afraid of the devil and what he's doing and what he's trying to do in your life. You need to praise God for the victory and the promises that he's given to you. Hallelujah. The enemy's heard that you've been set free. The enemy's heard that you're not going to the places you used to go. The enemy's heard that you got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And when he heard you quit smoking and drinking and carousing with the enemy, when he heard you wasn't cruising for companionship, when he heard that you wasn't cursing the cashier out, he got very afraid. When the enemy heard you had sold out to God and through your God, you're having victory in your life, You'll notice in verse 4, Gibeon devised a scheme. When the devil heard you were set free, he began to just devise something. He began to scheme, plot, plan. How can I trap them? How can I trick them? How can I, 
How can I ensnare them again? The enemy cannot stand to hear that you're sold out to Christ. Hallelujah. Are you saved in here today? Say the name Jesus. Say the name Jesus. I want the devil to know this is where Jesus comes and visits his people. Hallelujah. The enemy cannot stand to hear that you're sold out to Christ. The devil cannot stand for you to have victory in your life. He cannot stand to hear of the victories that you're going to have and what you're having already. The devil doesn't want to hear. We had this t-shirt and we sold it for years. The devil doesn't want to hear that you're a wide-eyed, sanctified, blood-bought, spirit-top, Bible-toting, scripture-quoting, Satan-bashing, sin-trashing, Christ-following, pride-swallowing, hard-praying, truth-conveying, faith-walking, gospel-talking, big-time believer and proud of it. He doesn't want to hear that. But it's too late. He's already heard it. He's already heard it. He's afraid of the child of God that's on fire for Jesus. And because of that, he had to devise a plan to trick you and to trick me. In verse 4, they worked craftily and went and pretended to be ambassadors. And they took old sacks on their donkeys, wineskins, old wineskins and torn mended things. They were just trying to look like a bum. They're trying to look like, man, they come from a far, far country. They work craftily, they cunningly, wily, cleverly. They disguised us, they, they devised a scheme, and they disguised themselves. How many times have we gone from victory to victory only to be tripped up by a devised scheme the devil plotted, planned, and threw out in front of us? How many of you ever seen them speed chases where they have one cop out on the interstate and he throws this chain or whatever out in front of him and it's got spikes on it and they're trying to get... I've seen more of them videos where they miss. The guy just drives around it. I think to myself, that, that, that driver must be a Christian. He missed the snare. Could be. Could be. Wow. God has been so strong in our services here. At the church, God's been blessing us here in the tabernacle. God's been manifesting himself to us. And all of a sudden, we feel a current take us in the wrong direction. Wow. I know I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. I was in Key West. I was swimming. I was snorkeling. My brother-in-law said, swim out here to me. And there's a, to, to the reef or whatever. I don't know. It looked like a little island to me. I said, Okay. And so I'm in about three foot of water. How many of you remember the other day I told you I was afraid of sharks? I got scared one day when I was in a swimming pool. Okay. So I'm out there swimming to this reef. And, and I'm, I'm, I can literally stand up. I'm about waist deep. But I'm swimming. And I'm looking down. And it's beautiful. And I swim forever. I set my course and I swam forever. And I thought, man, I should have been there by now. And I looked up and the current had took, taken me. And I seen signs for Cuba. <laughs> Not quite that bad, but that's the way I felt. I felt like my, I, I'm this close from Cuba now. But what I was really, I was just down the coastline. And what the reef, where I started out here, now I'm looking back at the reef back here. I was like, it frightened me so bad. I jumped, jumped up, stood up, still in water that I can stand up in, and took off running with my little flappers. <laughs> As fast as I could to get off that, get out of that water. Sometimes the current takes you places you don't want to go to. 
You've had victory. You're having a good time. You're having a blessing. But all of a sudden, the current starts taking you somewhere you don't want to go to. I didn't want to buy any cigars. I didn't want to float to Cuba. That's the way devil wants to do us. He, he wants to take us when we're having victory, having fun, having a good time, and take us into a current that we, we don't, never intended to go to, never, never we, we meant to go that direction. The devil loves to fool us after great victories. How could a child of God be so deceived? I find it in ministry and in a family. We have a lot of Christians in our family that when one of our family members doesn't live for the Lord, we're thinking, what in the world's wrong with them? They know the word. They've heard the word. Why in the world are they being deceived by the devil, knowing that he's plotting and planning to steal, kill, and destroy them? Why would they believe the lie of the devil? I could ask that question today. Why do we live our life as if the devil's not after us? Why do we live our life as if the devil wants us just to have a good time and do whatever we want and whatever we please, when we're really not realizing we're doing what the devil wants us to do because he's taking us somewhere we don't want to go? Lord, help us. How could a child of God be so deceived? How could Joshua and his people be tricked? How does the devil use the same old thing on us and it still works on us today? Recognize the disguise. Hallelujah. The devil is a master of disguise. How many remember that movie, Master of Disguise? You ever see it? It's an old movie. Maybe in the 90s somewhere. The movie is hilarious. The slapping dummy. I mean, you, you just got to see the movie to know it's a comedy. You know, if I watch TV, it's going to be a comedy. Master of Disguise. The devil is a master at disguising things. The men of Gibeon disguised themselves. They couldn't walk into the Israelites' camp and say, hey, we're your neighbors and we don't want you to kill us. They heard. They heard the Lord was with them. They heard this was the promised land that the Lord gives to the Israelites as an inheritance. They heard that their days were numbered. They couldn't just walk in and say, hey, we want to make a treaty. We want to make a pact with you. Well, they couldn't say, we're just that simple part of the country that God told you to eradicate. No, they couldn't say that. Instead, they disguised themselves to deceive God's people. I want to tell you, right here today, the devil is still trying to deceive God's people. He's using the same tactics. He's trying to deceive God's people. They said, we want to make a peace treaty with you. In other words, we, want, we don't want you to kill us. We want to partner with you. And the devil tells the lie, we want to coexist with you. I'm going to tell you right now, this is, this is truth or dare. I'm going to take truth, okay? Every time I see a car with a bumper sticker that says coexist and it has all these different emblems, it's the spirit of Satan that's coming from that bumper sticker and that car and that person driving that car. You're not to coexist with the enemy. Church, this is a Pentecostal church. You're not to coexist with the enemy. I need to hear a bigger amen than that. There's no place for the devil in our life. We can't coexist with sin. They said, we'll coexist with you. We'll be your servant. You'll be our master. I'll serve you. I'll do whatever you say we're to do. The devil's still using the same tactics today. The devil disguises himself. Pastor, how does the devil disguise himself today? You're just preaching crazy stuff. This is over 2,000 years ago. What are you talking about? I'm glad you asked. 
First of all, I want to tell you how bold the enemy is. First of all, I want to tell you, you have an enemy of your soul. He does not want you to live in heaven with God. He wants to take you to hell. This is very elementary. I'm just going to get down on, on first grade level. He wants to take you out and not have the enjoyment of what God has for you. The life and the plans God has for us is so much greater than we can even imagine ourselves. But the devil wants to put things in front of us and say, no, dangle the carrot. This is better than Christ. This is better than God. And he's just lying to you. He's deceiving you. He's disguised himself. He disguises himself so well, he's not afraid to walk right into your camp. The Gibeons disguised themselves and walked right into the Israelites' camp. If their disguise would not have worked, they would have been the first Gibeonites to be killed. Do you realize that? They would have been the first to be killed, and instead, they're deceiving God's people. Just the same way the devil's doing today. The devil disguises himself, and he walks right into our camp. He disguises himself so well that he's unafraid to walk right into our homes. Pastor, how does he do that? He walks right in through our television, through our radios, through our video games. Everything that's not of Christ is of the enemy. Clean up your home. I'm going to tell you right here. You're not going to stand before God and say, my pastor never preached to me to watch the video games, make sure they wasn't evil, to watch the television shows and make sure they're not putting things in me that shouldn't be in it. Your pastor is going to stand here and tell you, you better be sober, be vigilant, and watch what you're watching, what you're listening to, what's coming out of your mouth. Hallelujah. He's unafraid. The enemy's got such a disguise. He's unafraid to walk right into the middle of your family, to your Thanksgiving meal, to your Christmas dinner, to your birthday parties, to your home life, to your family life, to your vacation. He disguises himself so well, he's unafraid to write walk right into this church. Woo! Somebody said something about, I, I mentioned I was praying in the church one Saturday evening and it was around midnight and I got up and I was going home. And when I did, before this, I heard all sorts of creaks and uh, things in the church. And that's not unusual. This building moves. Uh, the wind blows through it. All them kind of things. But when you hear a door open and shut, you know you're not alone. When you hear a key go into a lock, turn, door opens, and you walk out to see who's there and nobody's there and the door's still locked, you know you're not alone. I laughed and said, devil, you don't scare me. And by the way, give me the keys back to this church. He's not afraid to walk into the church building. He's not afraid to sit down right beside you and say, this is not real. This is just pretend. God doesn't really love you. God doesn't really care. This is not even in my notes. This is for free. This is coming from heaven right now. You need to understand you're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose this morning. God's trying to speak to you, make you realize the devil is in disguise, and he's sitting right by you trying to tell you it's not real. It's not really happening. God doesn't really have a plan for you. He's unafraid. He's unafraid. He loves, oh, get ready, put on your seatbelts, church. The devil likes to disguise himself in religion. I guess it's fitting I'm wearing what I'm wearing today. No necktie, no collared shirt, stinky jeans. 
He likes to disguise himself in religion, in traditions. Don't get me wrong. I think we need to be respectful of God's house. I'm going to tell you, I think we ought to, uh, if we can, we ought to dress in our best. If I was to go see President uh, uh, Biden today, um, I'd have to dress a certain way to see him. I know what I said. I just know he likes puppets and he, never mind. Where was I, Lord? The devil likes to disguise himself in religion, not the moving of God's presence, but in traditions and forms of godliness, but denying the power of God in their lives. How many of you know, I've been guilty myself of God, you can't move that way. That's not, I've, I've not seen you move that way. And so my religious spirit told me, that can't be God. I was sitting up here playing guitar one night. Christina was sitting on the second pew and she got up and she started dancing around right here. I thought it was beautiful. She's been trained in dance and she just, it was spontaneous. She just began to praise and worship the Lord. And the Lord said, never judge someone's worship. I was like, have you been like this as a kid? I wasn't doing anything. God, I wasn't. He was warning me. He said, don't you judge somebody's praise. I said, absolutely, God. I, I understand that. I'm not judging her. I think it's beautiful. I, and he knew it was, but he just let me know once again, don't be religious. God can move however he wants to move. But the devil likes to be subtle. He likes to convince born-again believers that the sin walking into the life is not really sin. It's a disguise. we got to recognize his disguise. He tries to sell the Christians a bill of goods that God doesn't require anything but repentance anymore. And let me tell you what I feel like he, he spoke to me right this down. We have to have repentance to make him our savior, to have forgiveness of sins. But too many Christians think that's the end. I'm saved. I have my fire insurance. I'm not going to hell now. I can ride this thing out in the comfy pew with the air conditioner blowing on my face. Thank you, Jesus. It's the beginning when you get saved. He's got a work for you to do. He's called you to his service. And we all have a work to do, whether you're the preacher, whether you're just uh, 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 someone that comes to church. Uh, start to say once a week, once a month, whatever it is. I believe if you're a Christian, you're going to keep going to church. Amen. He likes to disguise himself in religion. The subtle things. The thinking that, you know what, it's really not that big a deal. That, that sin there. It's not that big a deal. God doesn't require holy living. That God doesn't require us to stay away from evil. That we don't have to worry about what we're listening to with our ears and what we're reading and watching with our eyes or what's coming out of our mouth. That the devil has disguised Christianity to resemble whatever you want it to resemble. When we've been called to be a particular people, a peculiar people, a set-apart people. The devil wants to play deal or no deal with our lives. I thought that was the coolest thing on that cruise ship. They played deal or no deal. I sat and watched that lady. I was like, deal, deal, take the money, lady. You could only get $1,000 in it, and she turned down 270 I said, it didn't even cost you anything to play this. Why don't you take their money? But that gambling spirit, here, I, I'm, this, we're way off track. I'm riding a rabbit right now. It's a jag. I know you're thinking, that's a big rabbit, Pastor, ain't it? 
we walked in there, and right before they, uh, the show come on, they were playing bingo. And I, I'm just meddling here. The cruise ship comes on. The cruise director says, kids under 18 are not allowed in the theater while bingo's going on. How many knows what bingo is? You're just, they're popping up these balls and having numbers, and you're crossing it off. But you had to buy these cards for 50 bucks. They give you three cards for 50 bucks. The cruise director said, no one under 18 here because this is gambling. Pastor didn't call it gambling. The cruise director did. I was like, praise God, preach it, brother. Pastor is buying lottery tickets. You know, gamb- it's gambling. It's not being a good uh, steward of your money for God. Don't do it. Well, it's just a $5 one, you know, and I'll pay my tithes on it. It's, it's all right. You're trying to get something for free. It's gambling. Okay, back off the rabbit and back to the pulpit. The devil wants to disguise, us, disguise things till we're not worried about what we hear, what we see, what's coming out of our mouth. The devil wants to play deal or no deal with our lives. He's trying to lure us into believing it's not that big of a deal. Open another case. Open something else up into your life. See if it's what you're looking for. You're unsatisfied with this or that. Well, I'm going to try something else. He's trying to get us to gamble away what we know we have in Christ Jesus in search of something better, something brighter, something attractive. Satan is desperate to stay in your life any way he can. He will continue at all costs to try to deceive us so we'll let him remain in our lives so we won't kill the sin in our life and what God's called us to destroy. I, want, I said this at the beginning. The scripture right here is paralleling the things in our lives today. God's not asking us to go out and kill a people group. Everybody understand that? Let's be very clear about this. We're not to be killing. But we are to kill the sin in our life. And I'm going to tell you, forgiveness is free, and it comes from the Father. But it takes effort on your part to keep away from sin. You just don't get saved and get lazy and say, all right, God, you got me. Just carry me, Father. I'm walking into this bar right now, God. You just carry me that I won't drink. God, I bought the drink now. It's set here. Just carry me, Father. I won't, I won't take a sip of it. Come on, church. Stop tempting God. Stop tempting God. God warns us through conviction and giving us spiritual insight when we pray to stay close to him. Joshua here in the scripture is the pastor. And in verse 8, he asks the question, who are you and where did you come from? He's suspicious about the disguise of the Gibeonites. But the devil strokes their ego. You see it? He stroked their ego. He said, we've heard how God has given you victory, and we want to be your servants. Wow. The devil or sin wants to hide everywhere, everywhere that you will let him hide. The devil or sin doesn't want to be exposed for what he really is and what it's really doing. Joshua 9, 14, then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. Not only did Joshua and his men not recognize the disguise, they took of the provisions and they didn't pray about it. They didn't seek God's directions. They didn't seek counsel from the Lord. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, 
Lord, put this on my heart, and I'm going to say it. You'll like me, you'll hate me, whatever you want to do, that's fine. I'm saying what God laid on my heart. God is a God of order. He's a God of order. Way before I was a pastor, I was a faithful member of this church. If you don't know the story and you have a half hour, I'll tell it to you later. So I can preach this kind of stuff and not think, oh, he's just the pastor preaching it for a gain for him or for whatever reason. It's not the case at all. I believe this before I was a pastor. I believe this is just as strong today as a pastor. I've had so many people call me and ask me, Pastor, would you pray about XXX? I'll just say this. Pray about me getting this house in this other town. But never asking me, Pastor, would you pray if it's God's will for me to move? He's a God of order. He set a shepherd in this house to shepherd you, to watch over you, to counsel you, and to let you know, hey, my spirit is grieved. Something's going on here. I don't understand, but we need to pray on this. We need to fast on this because I'm worried about you. I'm worried about your family. I'm worried about what the devil's trying to disguise himself in, maybe trick you and trip you into moving somewhere, trip you or trick you into making an unwise decision. But too many people don't want to be shepherd. They want to be their own boss. I'm a Christian. I have my own Bible. I don't need a shepherd. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go around God's plan. I'm going to go around God's order. I'm going to do what I want to do because I'm a Christian. You're looking at a man that doesn't want to be in charge of a bunch of people. I never aspired to do this. I never wanted to pastor people. I don't want to know your business unless you, unless you want me to know it. That's where this pastor comes from. So it's not a pastor with a big head that thinks he's something or this or that. It's a pastor that recognizes order in the, in the body of Christ. And I see the church so many times is out of order asking pastor to pray about what to do after the fact they've already did something. I've told this story over and over when I was pastoring and I was in the youth department. Ten years I was the youth pastor. And I'd have these little girls come up to me and say, Pastor, would you pray for me I, to, to know whether or not I ought to keep dating my boyfriend? I said, No. I won't pray with you about that. Why? Because you give your heart to him already. You're already in love with him. There's, God's not going to make you break up with him. You're going to have to go against your flesh to get out of this relationship now. I'm not going to pray for you whether it's God's will. I'm going to pray for you to have strength to walk away from what you've already fell in love with. Be careful, single person, who's really entertaining in your life. Lord Jesus, this sermon was a long sermon without you telling me all this stuff. God, help us. How many times are we guilty of following our own wisdom instead of seeking God in a matter? Seeking the shepherd in a matter. The reason Israel had to fight Ai twice was because they didn't seek God and his counsel, his voice, or his direction. They said, oh, it's just not a big deal. We'll handle that ourselves. We don't need God's intervention in this. We don't need his grace, his glory. We'll just do this one on our own. Had Joshua asked counsel at the mouth of the Lord instead of putting the moldy bread of the Gibeonites into his own mouth, he would not have fallen into this trap. This is the second time Joshua has fell in this trap. I'm not banging on, on Joshua and saying he's a bad dude. What I'm saying is the child of God can be fooled by a disguise of the enemy. We need to understand and stop repeating the same mistakes. Did you know that Satan can only deceive the Christian when we take the management into our own hands? 
When we leave it in God's hands, we can't be deceived. Devil, I'm not moving till he says to move. Devil, I'm not moving till God tells me to move. And if he's not moving, I'm not moving either. Praise God. Wow. At Ai, Israel trusted her own strength and did not pray and was defeated the first time. At Gibeon, her, she trusted her own wisdom and did not pray and was defeated. I, I just want to go back to these scriptures real quick and I'm going to end. Proverbs 3 and 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. I don't care how smart you are, how educated you are, how many degrees you have. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord and not your own understandings. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Joshua 9 and 15 says, So Joshua made peace with them. He made peace with the enemy. He made peace with the devil in disguise. That would have been another good name for this sermon. Devil in disguise. Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live And the rulers in the congregation swore to them, when we let sin live inside of us, wherever it might be, when are we going to stop making covenants and treaties with the enemy just because they're in disguise? God convicts the Christian to let us know that sin has to be dealt with, has to be taken out, but somehow we're fooled by a devilish disguise. It's not that big a deal. It's not, it's not hurting anyone. It's just a white lie. It's just a little gossip. It's a little change. It's a little peek at pornography. It's just a sip of an adult beverage. It's just recreational drugs. God is calling his people to be holy, holy, holy. First Peter 1 Peter 1.15 But as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. 1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from every form of evil. I did a a, a research on this one time and I, I went in about five different versions of the Bible and commentary. And every time this verse, it, it's, it's uh, what, three, six words in the New King James Version. In every version it said, abstain from evil. Get away from evil. Leave evil alone. Get away from evil. There's no confusing this scripture. Get away from anything that's not of God. We have to recognize the disguise. I mentioned this a minute ago, 1 Peter 5 and 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. He's trying to eat you up and spit you out. You run into a preacher today that's telling the truth. You need to hear the truth and let it set you free. We cannot cannot let sin live in us. Israel was fooled, tricked, bamboozled. We have to recognize the disguise. Shelly, would you come back? Joshua 10 and 24. So it was when they brought out those kings to Joshua that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men of war who went with him, Come near. Put your feet on the necks of these kings. These necks of these kings. They had the kings laid out on the ground. They represented the sin. They represented what God said to eradicate from your life. He said, Come near. Put your feet on the neck of this king. 
And they drew near and put their feet on their necks. Then Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage. For thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. And afterward Joshua struck them and killed them and hanged them on five trees. And they were hanging on the trees until evening. I want you to know that sin cannot be knowingly tolerated in the child of God. This is the example for the Christians today. Put your foot on the devil's neck. Put your foot on the enemy's neck. Stop being afraid of the enemy and stop being, start being a fighter, not caring what's going to happen. I'm going to walk in the power and the presence of God. I'm going to be able to step on this enemy's neck and I'm going to destroy him with the sword. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can't play around with sin. You heard, the, you heard the, the, the old story, you play fire, you're going to get burned? Happened to me a few times. I was in Chicago, Illinois, out behind the church. It's good parenting 101 by my parents in Chicago and out behind the church by myself with my cousin. I'm just teasing. It, it was a gentler time back then. We floated around in clouds. It was black and white. and We rode in horses and chariots. And I'm back there at a barrel burning styrofoam cups. And I catch the church on fire. Woo! I wish to God I could set this church on fire in the right way. That you couldn't sit still. That the Holy Spirit would get a hold of you and start to burn inside of you where you couldn't take it anymore. You had to jump up and sing and to shout and to celebrate what God's doing in your life. That's the kind of fire I want to see today. Hallelujah. The fire will burn you. It cannot be your friend. Sin cannot be your friend. We have to realize that the devil and sin is our enemy. It's not a guilty pleasure. If we don't recognize the disguise, it's going to take us to a place God never intended us to go. He never made this place for us. He intended the devil to be in hell, not you. Joshua 10, 29. Then Joshua passed from uh, Makeda and all Israel with him to Libna and they fought against Libna and the Lord also delivered it and its king into the hand of Israel he struck listen to this Joshua he struck it and all the people who were in it with the edge of the sword now two weeks ago three weeks ago when I was reading this passage God spoke to me it's clear I'm going to tell you God wants to speak to you I'm not something special I'm just I want to get closer and closer to God to hear his voice. God spoke to me in my office and he said this. I read that scripture right there. He said, Drew, he got my attention, just like my wife does, just like my mom would. Drew, this is the problem with the Christians, with the saints of God. They're not using the sword to cut the sin out of their life. See, sin is forgiven through Jesus. You have to do the work. You have to stay away from the sin. You have to stop the drug. You have to stop the alcohol. You have to stop whatever the addiction. You have to do something. If he could do it all for you, and he could, he chooses not to, then we'd all be Christians. You'd never have to. He wouldn't give you a choice. We'd just all be Christians. You're all, everything's good. and He gives you a choice to love him. He gives you a choice to live for him. He said, Drew, 
the church is not striking the sin with the edge of the sword. I was pretty smart about that. I was like, I understand that, Lord. I get it. I see what you're, you're talking about, the two-edged sword. We're not speaking the word of God in our life. I spoke at the, at the beginning of the year. We're going to decree. We're going to declare the word of the Lord. We're going to keep speaking this. I don't have to have a new prophecy, which that'll be great. That's awesome. I don't have to have a new revelation. That's great and that's awesome. I have the spoken word of God right here that is prophecy, that is revelation, that I need to be speaking into my life, that sin can't be in my life anymore. I want to dispel the fact that you have to sin every day. It's not in this book. It's not in this book. Jesus is our example. Now, have I met that perfect Christian? No, I haven't. But the Bible doesn't say, well, I had to sin a little bit every day. It's not in here. He wants to live, us to live a sinless life. Here's the key to recognizing the disguise and how to deal with sin and the devil. Put the sword of the word to it. Put the sword of the word to it. Put the sword of the word to it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hebrews 4 and 12. For the word of God is a living. It's living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me? The Lord has given us his word. to use in our life to cut out the distractions to cut out the sin today as we come together I want to pray for anyone that's sick anyone that has a need I want to pray for you I don't care if you just have a you have a need that you just need to get up in the morning and you don't want to get out of bed I want to pray for you I want to pray that the joy of the Lord is going to become your strength it's going to be a joy to open your eyes and say, God, thank you for this day. This is the day that the Lord's made. I'm going to rejoice in it. Praise God. I want to pray for anyone that needs prayer here today, whether it's for your body, whether it's for your spirit. It doesn't matter what it's for. For your finances, we'll pray for that today. But church, recognize the enemy's disguise. Recognize the enemy's disguise. And when you recognize it, you can cut it out. <laughs> with the sword of the spirit hallelujah father i thank you for your word i thank you lord for the holy ghost that i felt in this place today lord would you continue right now lord as we come to you in prayer lord that you meet the needs of this congregation lord no matter what it is i ask you lord to meet these needs as we individually pray we lay hands on them anoint them with oil just like your word said to do i pray for holy ghost outpouring in the name of jesus hallelujah I pray for the Holy Ghost to be outpoured on these people today and myself, Father. I thank you, and I pray all these things in Jesus' name.